This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today. Welcome back to another episode of The, the Sober, Sober Life, Life Audio, Audio Experience. Experience. What's up, Roman? What is going on, Brian? We're back in the business, back in the his house. Yes, we are. We're in the building. Up in the heezy. Right. Dude, we, we have a guest today. Yes, we do. And he is a special guest. Who is this handsome devil next to us? This handsome devil is none other than the world-renowned Dr. J.M. Mm-hmm. Good afternoon. Hi, hey. J.M. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Welcome. We're, we're glad to have you on. It's such an honor and a privilege. Yes. Yes, indeed. And we, uh, we generally start our show a very specific type of way. We ask a couple of questions. Okay. So question number one, what is your vision? Oof. My vision Damn. of life? Just your vision for your life. Vision. Or your whatever it's it's your interpretation of the question but what's your what's your vision well you know i look at life as um a set of experiences and i think my vision is to see there being much a much kinder gentler world and kindness mm. and not having people take advantage of that mm. use it for the good rather than for gain so that's probably my vision damn beautiful i don't think we've ever heard that on the show uh-uh yeah Sober life first, exclusive. Sober life first. Yeah, that was an incredible answer, though. Yeah, we need more kindness in the world, mm-hmm. definitely, especially now. Just, just in general, just within each other, right? You know, exactly. In, in communication and relationship with each other, just be nicer. Exactly. Wow. Cool. Well, question number two: What do you love? What do I love? Well, I have lots of people in my life that I love. Um, not the, any of the less being my son, um, mm-hmm. who's uh, certainly somebody that's very important to me. Um, you know, I, I believe that we all are here um, living our lives, but we're not sure if we're going to be here tomorrow. Mm. And so, you know, I really try to, again, goes back to the kindness, be kind and kind of understand people from where they are yeah, and um, cherish them for now. And be in the here and now. Sometimes that's really difficult for me to be in the here and now. I'm kind of looking forward or looking back. To but stay present. Here, right, to stay present and, and really cherish it. Because all of, any of us could go outside and get hit by a bus today and not be here tomorrow. Wow. And, and, you know, really kind of thinking about that and cherishing that and, and telling people you love them. Yeah. Um, and that you care about them is really important to me. Wow. Boom. Shakalaka. Yeah. Damn. That brings us right into question number three. <clears throat> what is a book that has influenced or shaped you? One book. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is a hard one. It's really hard. Because um, I have a tendency to read a lot of professional things. Um, there's a book that uh, a woman that I know, she's a therapist in New York. Uh, she's actually French. She speaks seven languages. She's a pretty, pretty exciting wow. person. Damn. She wrote a book called Mating Cat- Captivity. Okay. okay. That's about um, 
basically about the 21st century relationships people have. It's written from, um, you know, she sort of covers the whole gamut from straight to gay to everything. So she really kind of looks at relationships and looks at infidelity in a different way. Why do we have infidelity and those kinds of things? And um, that's really influenced me to kind of look at things in a different way. Oh, really? Um, when I was doing therapy with people, yeah. uh, I kind of look at that in a different way, kind of look at them from where they were. Because uh, infidelity has got a lot of blaming to it. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's like pointing the finger. So um, I kind of looked at it, you know, let's not blame. Let's kind of figure out where the problem is and fix the problem, mm. um, which I think a lot of us don't always do. I mean, so certainly when we think about things like substance abuse, we don't really look at the problem. We kind of cover it up. Yeah. With the substance. Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing, kind of looking at what am I covering up in my relationship by having an affair or kind of not doing the things I should be doing to nurture the relationships. That's a book that's actually influenced me a lot. Got it. And, and not dealing with uh, just the presenting problem, but the underlying issues. Correct, correct. Mm. Yeah. Nice. Going below the surface. Right. Because unless you deal with that stuff, you don't get anywhere. Yeah, you're just kind of treating the same thing over and over again. Correct. But it might feel good in the moment, right? Could feel good in the moment, <laughs> yeah. It depends on what you're doing. Yeah. You definitely can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I got, you know... I got a fourth question. Okay. We typically do three questions, but I don't know. I just had the urge. You're making me special. Huh? Yeah. Jam, what are you passionate about? Like truly, deeply, what sets your soul and heart on fire? Um, That's a good question. I think as I think about that immediately, I think about helping, seeing people succeed mm -hmm. that aren't always um, the top dog, the underdog. I really, I really believe in that. Um, you know, I'm certainly, as you guys know, my credentials, I'm an overachiever. So I've always been trying to prove myself. Um, and I think I've gotten to the point where I don't need to do that anymore, hopefully. Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, you never know. Um, but really kind of looking at people, I think we give up on people too quickly. Mm. Um, you know, we, I think we talked about uh, a few weeks ago an example of somebody I saw in, in therapy that came, was seeing me, developed a relationship, and um, came to my office high one day. And right. actually coming down off of meth. And um, most people would therapist probably would have turned them away and said, you know, we're not going to work with you. I didn't do that. I actually had him stay for, I didn't stay a whole session, stay for part of the session and talked about how unacceptable that was. Found out his, fa his father had just died. Mm -hmm. um, and so that triggered him to, to use again. And um, I set an appointment with him, expected not to see him. And he showed up the next week and he said to me, I said to him, why, why are you here? And he's like, well, you're the first person that's really cared about me. He didn't throw me away. Mm -hmm. and he got clean and sober and unfortunately he died two years later of hiv related complications but he actually was able to get sober and, and actually enjoy his life as a sober person that's and awesome because you know that consistency and didn't give up and i think we, yeah. give up, we give up on people too quickly so that's my passion not to give up on people too quickly to be I a love huge that. supporter i absolutely love cheerleader that. hold people in their highest mm -hmm. oh well, that's just, awesome but hold them accountable too yes it just yeah. goes back to this idea, and the, I mean, the premise of this idea is like a no-brainer. Like, yeah, I get it, but actually taking action and implementing it of treating humans as humans, mm -hmm. right? Right? Because we get so wrapped up in what you said earlier, personal gain, mm -hmm. right? Subconsciously, I might be making decisions based on what's best for me, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of times, what that turns into is me not fully being present, aware. Right. Or making decisions on what's best for others. Right. That's profound. I dig it. JM, yeah. let's give uh let's give the listeners wow. a little background to you. I mean maybe where you're from. Who I are mean, you? you? We we know you have a million degrees, but maybe you can kind of kind of give some perspective and some context and then we can kinda of get into a discussion, uh, whether it be substance abuse, treatment, 
the Whatever. world as a whole, wherever we go. Tell them who you be. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I grew up in the East Coast. Um, I'm a transplant here. I, I've lived in California for a long time, so I'm a native Californian now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, East Coast, Northeast. Yeah, uh, actually, lived in the Mid Atlantic. So I grew up in near Washington D.C. Okay. Uh, grew up on seafood. Yay! Love yeah. seafood. There's not very good seafood here, unfortunately. Um, ah. But anyway, uh, so moved to uh, Texas for school. Went to school in okay. Houston at the University of Texas, and then um, made my way out here. I was actually a nurse and respiratory therapist as my first career, and then uh, moved on into psychology. Was in administration um, in leadership positions and uh, got a degree in counseling psychology and a PhD and then moved into more therapeutic kinds of work. Um, worked in many different kinds of programs from locked units to people with outpatient um, and private practice. So mm-hmm. I've done all of uh, all those kinds of things. Um, have, have actually developed programs, was able to develop a school-based program that I'm very proud of. That was one of the first in the, in the state of California. And the first that was Medi-Cal funded, which was really good for the kids because wow, yeah. the kids need it. You know, lots of trauma happens in kids these days, which creates the whole, right. the whole cycle. Right, yep, right. The whole cycle starts and we need to start probably putting more money into our kids. For sure. In the beginning. Um, prevention, yeah, right? Prevention, yeah, not prisons. You know, yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, I love what I do. Uh, I, I was just going to ask yeah, that tendency to, um, you know, develop teams, which is really good to ha- actually, um, take care of people in, right. in a more respectful way. I've been really fortunate several times to actually develop programs from the beginning and hire people. So that's always kind of nice. Yeah. You know, you get to pick the people. Um, so, uh, that's a little bit about me. Mm-hmm. So nice. you so you love it. You work in this field. You've been in this field for a long time of therapy therapizing uh and that speaks to your soul like you find happiness in that in that work yeah but i think i uh, as you say that i'm not sure i therapize i'm not sure i'm um you know i believe in therapy but it's more about the relationship that's all Mm -hmm. we really have as humans is relationships so Mm -hmm. that's what turns me on if you will yeah is the relationship aspect of and trying to understand relationships which frankly i get um challenged every day with with different kinds of people that I meet. Yeah. Everybody's got a different personality. Uh, and, and you know, it's really, tr- I try to do is to not put my own filter on it, mm. take them for where they are. I mean, I give an example of, you know, you're at the grocery store in line and you get to the grocery woman or man that's checking you out and they're in a bad mood mm-hmm. and they say nasty things to you or whatever. It's not about you. It's right. about where they are. And, you know, they may have had something happen in their life or they've been working all day and retail's hard anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. But, um, but kind of looking at them from where, they, from where they are, just like me being nasty back yeah, because I had a bad day doesn't mean yeah. it's about them either. And I think we need to realize that about each other. Sometimes we're not, you know, it's not about who, it's not about the individual. Right. It's about the experience and the con- context it's in. Well, it sounds like that's mm-hmm. in direct alignment with your vision mm-hmm. of kindness. And right. Like what, what kind of world do you believe we would exist in if kindness were one of the main motivators or one of the main distinctions of humanity. Well, I think, you know, very simply there wouldn't be war for one thing. Yeah. Um, We all get along, you know, there's, there's so many different um, factions of religions and beliefs, you know, whether you're an atheist or whether you're, you know, um, Catholic or whatever. Right. Um, so I think we need to coexist with that. I see that bumper sticker that says coexist, but I don't think we ever really do that because mm. we, we have a tendency to label groups. Do you think it's possible though? Do I think kind have a world with more kindness? Uh, yes, but it's really difficult. What do you mm. think is stopping? Like what's, what's stopping that from happening? What's in, what's in the gap, if you will. Um, I mean, you mentioned labeling, you mentioned what, like what, 
what's having that be a way of being in the planet today? I think partly, I think we're much more narcissistic, Mm. especially in our country and the social media, you know, it's great. And we're doing social media right now, Yeah, Yeah. Um, but it's really created a a sense of narcissism and entitlement. Um, You know, I can go on YouTube and show myself off and I can be a star, but really am I a star kind of thing? And sometimes people are right. Right. Um, And people make a lot of money on YouTube, but um, But, you know, kind of looking at you know, where we are culturally, you know, again, every generation, I'm not going to rag on any generation because every, every generation, the generation before didn't like them. Right. Um, so, right. you know, the Gen Xers and I mean, baby boomers don't like the millennials and, yeah. you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. So, um, what's the new generation? Generation Z. Z. Yeah. Ah. Okay. And now I'm hearing millennials complain about Generation Z. My son yeah. did that actually. He's complaining about Generation <laughs> Z screwing us So, we're on. millennials, You're right? Millennials, yeah. Yeah. You and I. Yeah. 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 Generation Z is like what? Like 15 um, years old and under? I think they're up to 20 now. 20? Okay. Okay. Because I think millennials are 20 to 40. Those damn Generation Zers. I know. So, um, and if you think about, um, (laughs) you know, I think about me, I'm older than you guys. Yeah. um, I never, I didn't grow up with computers and phones. Right. And I've adapted to them pretty quickly just because that's the way the world works. But I didn't have that. We had typewriters. We took typing classes. Whoa. In high school, that kind of thing. And I'm not that old, but... I think ever Where, where's autocorrect? <laughs> exactly. Does not compute. Um, does you have to use whiteout. Whiteout. That's where oh, whiteout gosh. came from. And then people... It's not just for sniffing. Yeah, it's not just for sniffing. So, you know, if you think about that, you know, you guys didn't live in the world without HIV. Mm. You think right. about that, you grew up with it. Um, you know, it was something that happened to my, gen- you know, to my generation. Right. Yeah, and right. a lot of people died from it. Um, that, oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people, I, I lost half my generation to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that, that are different, that really shape the world and have it be where it is. Mm -hmm. Um, certainly politically, I think that we have used social media in a very negative way, especially recently. Oh God. And and we've had people meddle with it. I don't want to get into politics, but, um, but, uh, you know, looking at all those kinds of things and I don't think that's going to change. So we need to figure out a way around it. Mm. Um, maybe using social media and maybe, you know, something like this and the other things that happen that are more positive Yeah, in social media to kind of help autocorrect it. Mm-hmm. I think there, there, there is a large amount of positive messages out there and available. Mm-hmm. I just think they don't get as much attention. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're kind of all part of that problem mm-hmm. of, I know personally for me, I would much rather watch a television show that's about some crazy drama, you know, with a huge story that might be more negative than, say, a motivational whatever. Right. You know, and I think that just for whatever reason, that's what I'm designed to gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. So even although there is a a bunch of motivational, positive, really positive messages out there, especially on like YouTube and podcasts, Mm -hmm. for me, I might just click on something where it's somebody bagging on someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that a large amount of the, probably the population is the same way. Well, would you say that? And what would you say about like, I think the attention spans Mm -hmm. of many people today. I was thinking about all those things. I think, uh, you know, the attention spans are like, we want sound bites. Yeah. It happened really quickly. Yeah. Um, I also think that uh, we don't necessarily um, take in the message. Mm. That sometimes it's being portrayed. We take it through our own filter and we use it. I think also we don't, uh, uh, to go to your point, Roman, about the um, kind of going towards the negative kind of thing. I think that's because we don't always find ways to put our negative pieces of ourselves. And so that's a way to express it. Wow. And, mm. and kind of huh. neutralize it in ourselves because we can be kind of um, 
violent, which is a strong term, but it, not necessarily be violent, but look at the violence in a video, for instance. We can like yeah. act out. Right, exactly. exactly. Okay. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever heard that before. Mm-hmm. So, like that idea, that premise. So I think that, you know, that's why TV shows get popular. Yeah. I mean, how many how many law enforcement shows are there on TV? Oh, and, or, you know, emergency ER, which I frankly love. But, yeah. um, but uh, you know, think about all those Locked shows. Locked up they're, shows. They're very, they're yeah. very, very negative yeah. kinds of things. They're really the tragedies of life, and people get into them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, we're living vicariously through these mm-hmm. shows. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that. Yeah. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. So what's up with these attention spans with these with people today? <laughs> what's well, millennials? Was anyway, going like, yeah, I was going to say, was it like that no. the last generation? I, you know, I think that um, you know, and I actually give an example, a personal example. When I was growing up, um, I was considered hyperactive, and people would know that of me now because I seem pretty calm, even though yeah. you don't know what's going on inside. Yeah, because um, I've learned how to control it. But um, I was hyperactive. That's what it was called. ADHD was called right. was mm-hmm. hyperactivity, and. I think that a lot of that is personally um, from my experiences misdiagnosed. I think a lot of it's anxiety and I think it's about anxiety that we live through our family, you know, we have in our family systems mm-hmm. and, and in our world and in school. Um, think about what it's like to go to school now as an elementary school kid. I mean, you have to you yeah. know, you have the worry about a shooter coming to school. Yeah. All those kinds of things that Being are really a high difficult. performer. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of pressure. Right. right. It's, I mean, I think yeah. kids are already being asked in elementary school, well, what are you going to do? Right. Who are you going to be? Right. As opposed to being in the experience, being present, right. and like just enjoying life. Right. Well, I remember when we were in school, there was, I, I remember elementary school having like four recesses, Mm-mm. you know, where it was like, go play. And there right. was like a ton of emphasis on playing right. and socializing with other kids. Now, you know, I have a stepson who's in elementary school right now. And they get, like, one break a day. And it's heavily... I mean, even... I remember being in elementary school and our school getting out at, like, noon. Every day. It was, like, half days for where I was. And for him, it's, like, 7.45 to 2.15 every day. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's it's all changed. Mm-hmm. It's all yeah. changed. And it continues to change. Well, and, it, and there's after-school programs because people have yeah. to work. You know, families have to have two incomes now right? to afford yeah, to that's, live from yeah. San Diego. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, also, you know, parents keep their kids busy. Right. Yeah. You know, I remember me would be like, go ride your bike and, you know, be back for dinner. Yeah. And, you know, it was, and it was considered safe. And I still think it's actually fairly safe. I think we get hyper... Um, sensitive about it because of social because of social media and media in general we see more of it but i don't think it's any more than it used to be i I was Um, just having that conversation last night so you know and for i can remember me uh, you know going around my bike and going to places i wasn't supposed to go but i was back for dinner so um and you know i'm sure that helped my experience of the world do you think more teenagers are, are using drugs today or less or do you think it's the same? I think it's changed. I think you're seeing much, uh, at least what I've heard of recently, is that more alcohol is being used in high schools. Mm. Um, really? But I also know, to go back to kind of talking about elementary school, uh, you know, I worked for a school district for 10 years. Um, and we actually had kids in fourth grade actually smoking pot. No way. And that's really early. I mean, that's like eight years old, nine years old. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and a lot of it was, you know, when you got down to the nitty gritty of it, it was the trauma in their families and what was going on in their families. It was a way to kind of take care of the the feelings when when you're working with someone with trauma like what what's effective like how like when you when you go there with someone Mm -hmm. like how do you help someone resolve that well i think you have to be really careful about digging into that um you need to you know 
if any therapist has been taught well, you make sure that you can you can build a person back up, so mm-hmm. to speak. You know, mm-hmm. if you're going to dig that deep, yeah. And so you have to be really careful. So I think you know, probably it's going to take the therapeutic alliance. It's really going to be person by person. And we talk a lot about individualized care now, which right. sort of happens, um, doesn't necessarily happen on a, on a big <laughs> It's basis. an ideal. Um, it is an ideal. Um, but that's really where that would be ap- applicable, um, is that individualized care and looking at where they are. You know, because we, there might be some trauma for you, Brian, that if we brought it up, it would completely wreck you and you'd be mm-hmm. no good for the rest of your life. Mm. And that's true. I think that could happen. I mean, that's the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a the trauma that, you know, if you got through it and, you know, and it got worked through in a month, it could really change your life. Mm. you know I've seen that like the guy I gave an example of yeah. he had some major traumas in his life I mean to go into his background but major traumas in his life that that's why he started using and you know did prostitution and everything to, to uh, support his habit and he didn't have anybody to care and we worked through some of those traumas and he was able to have a better life mm. albeit very short but yeah. let, let me ask you this do you think that it's at all possible to in the course of let's say three days a weekend to dig to the core root of trauma, uncover it at its core, and then to build somebody back up and do that in an effective manner in a short period of time? Um, Like super rapid? Yeah, my gut tells me no. Okay. Um, I think it's way too fast. Traumas don't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. Traumas Mm -hmm. usually are, you know, uh, they're built upon. Yeah. You know, you get re-traumatized every day with the same kind of thing. So I I really think that's kind of dangerous. I know there's programs that do that. Yeah. I'm not sure that's always that good. Um, You know, tearing people's egos down and building them back up. Yeah. um, I'm not sure always what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you'd be really careful because I think you can throw somebody into psychosis, frankly. Yeah. And you have to be really careful about that. Yeah. It depends on the person. You know, there yeah. could be a person that it works with. Yeah. You know, we all have a different, you know, the thing about it is all three of us could have an experience and we experience it differently. Yeah. And we interpret it differently. I could be completely like, whatever, that just happened. And Brian's, you know, got to be admitted to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I got to go drink now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's three different kinds of responses. And right. so it really kind of depends on the filter and how you're, you experience the world. I think that's great, you know, especially when talking about something like PTSD. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, being in the military myself and a veteran, <clears throat> I have a lot of friends who suffer from PTSD, mm-hmm. and in very different ways. I have a couple friends that were actually they went through the same experience and have different symptoms, mm-hmm. and a few of them don't have any symptoms mm-hmm. at all. And I think it's, you know, for most people, they don't understand. Mm-hmm that we all have different perspectives and views on things mm-hmm. and different situations can shape us differently. Right. Right. right? Well, most That's people true. are focused on themselves anyway. Right. Well, there's a lot more self-absorption these days, I think. Um, yeah. And people yeah. don't do that. I mean, there's a whole, a whole nother thing about um, if you're in the dating world, the whole, you know, simmering, ghosting, those kinds of things that yeah. happen. Yeah. It's like yeah. Really. It's pretty rude behavior, frankly. It's just and unnecessary. It's just a norm. It's, and it's a norm, you know, rather right. than saying, you know what, I'm not into you. Let's just not see each other, whatever. And there's, mm-hmm. just, it's just, it's, and it's easier to do it by yeah. text because you don't have to face the person. Right. Yep. So, um, but anyway, um, back to the PTSD, um, you know, that's a really difficult issue to deal with because you, everybody does experience it differently yeah, and has different right. reactions to it. And I saw, when I lived in Palm Springs, I, the military base, 29 Palms is really mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw a lot of officers because in the military, if you get, go to therapy, the CO can ask about what happened. But mm-hmm. if, if they paid for it, if they don't pay for it, which a lot of the officers come see me privately. Um, and I would deal a lot with couples. 
And it was mm-hmm. a big issue for couples because the guys would come back. It was mostly guys. I had a couple of women, but it's mostly guys. And they come back and they weren't, they didn't, it was like, I compartmentalized that. I can't talk about it yeah, mm-hmm. because it's just so horrific. And the wives didn't understand it. And it was like, he's not communicating with him. He shut down. And he was yeah. for, in a lot of instances. Um, and an example of one couple that I met with the, the husband, he was a colonel, um, met with him uh, individually. And he told me, you know, I can't talk about it. I had to order people to kill people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's really difficult for me to, to reconcile. And so I can't talk to my wife about that. Right. And, and, you know, we ended up doing a, a couple of couple sessions to kind of talk about how that felt so she would let go of it because she didn't really understand what was going on. Right, so, right. Mean, that's a kind of an effect of, you know, that, that traumatizes the family. They had several kids, too. Right. And so, you know, that kind of gets passed down. So I think we have to really kind of think about those things. Can't get rid of them, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, but. You know, we had a guest on here uh, a few months ago. She said something that was profound. It stuck with me ever since. She said, you know, it's better to to understand than to be understood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like a good place to start. Mm -hmm. You're talking about being kind, Mm -hmm. kindness, loving everyone, just kind of getting along with people. I think a good place to start. Mm -hmm. Just try to understand. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I heard someone else say it once too, and it blew me away. He said, "Everyone's dealing with the battle that you know nothing about." Right. Yeah. Right. All right. That means like every moment of every day, any interaction I have with anyone, they're going through something. Right. That I'll never know about. Right. Absolutely. And just having that in my mind, thinking about that, going through my day, I become less agitated. Mm-hmm. I become less testy, moody. Mm-hmm. And really, I'm able to focus out. Mm-hmm. So I love that. This has been well, great. What are some What are some tools or tips or tricks that you use or you would suggest people to use to 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 practice kindness, to to practice being loving, to um, for anxiety or stress? Mm-hmm. Like, what what are some some tangibles that you know people kind of take away with and that they could p- p- perhaps implement in their life? Well, I think it first comes down to the individual and being kind to themselves. Mm-hmm. We often aren't. We're mm-hmm. often, you know, we look in the mirror and you got that line or whatever, yeah. you know, your mouth doesn't look right or, you know, whatever. We do a lot of physical stuff. Right. So I think, you know, initially it's about that, you know, kind of taking a look at who am I? How do I want people to perceive me? Um, getting out of my shell a little bit. And some for some people that's difficult depending on their extroversion or introversion. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes extroversion is a cover also. Yeah. It's yeah. always a good thing. Um, and, and neither one of them is a good thing or a bad thing. It's just kind of who they, what they are. This is what it is. Um, so kind of looking at that, looking at being kind to yourself, you know, even if it is practicing in a mirror, talking to yourself, you yeah. know, saying that you're okay. I don't know if you, well, you guys are probably too young for this. There used to be a Saturday Night Live skit that, this guy was, I forgot what the guy's name was, and he would, they do this mirror thing. I'm good enough. I'm kind enough. Right. Looking in the mirror. And it was a spoof, actually. But, but it's actually, the, there's something to that, you know, kind of looking at that. For and, sure. As long as you mean it. Um, mm-hmm. Don't do it if you don't mean it. Um, I think just practicing it. Uh, you know, one of the things I think that we miss talking about kindness is people don't say please and thank you. Mm-hmm. Or people don't ignore each other. I, you know, the one thing, San Diego is a fairly friendly city, but a lot of places people, you walk, I walk down the street and say hello to everybody. Yeah. And it's interesting that maybe about half of them say hi back. Mm. Um, and, you know, just kind of that kind of thing. And it, it, if people keep on doing that, everybody starts to do it. It kind of starts to Because then you're up. like, right. well, why ripple? am I saying hello to people right. if they're not right. saying it back? Right. 
And then as far as, you know, stress and, you know, this is something that takes a lot of practice and I have to do practice it myself is to realize that everything isn't personal about you. Mm. Um, you know, both of you could say something to me and I could take it really personally and, you know, start crying. Um, but, uh, we won't do that. No, <laughs> but, um, but it's not, may not be about me. It's exactly yeah. what you just said. You know, your life might, something might be going on for you Yeah, that you're just not, you're in a, you know, in an irritable mood and, you know, you say something to me and I take it the wrong way. And then all of a sudden I'm moody and, you know, it's just like that ripple effect. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes we just need to kind of step back mm-hmm. And one of the other things I think, um, we always see things as an emergency. And I learned this trick the hard way. is like sometimes you need to respond to something. You need to get a, get a, bit, a little bit of time before you respond to it. Yeah, sit because, on it. Because sometimes Very it resolves nice. itself. Yeah. Um, you, know, I, you know, I know you know this, Brian, because you're in medicine, that you know, everything's an emergency. And it really isn't a lot mm-hmm. of times. It really, really isn't. Sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. But so, a lot of times it isn't. It's like, you know, give me a couple, you know, give me you know, 30 minutes and I'll get back to you. And it resolves itself. Or somebody has a different perspective. So learning to respond rather than react. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I love that. Correct. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Respond rather than react. Yeah. yeah. Give yourself a couple seconds. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And yeah. sometimes it's okay if you're the person dealing with the other person to say that, you know what, something seems good going on today. Yeah. You know, let me give you some time or tell, yeah. you know, come see me when you feel like you can talk or. Mm-hmm. Do you think it is uh, effective to, if you notice something's going on with somebody, to say something? I think it depends. Has degrees. I think if you know, if it was the two of you, because I know you, I probably would say something. I don't know yeah. you guys that well yet, but mm-hmm. um, but I'm comfortable enough to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've also talked about that as a group. Yeah. yeah. But um, it depends. You know, if I'm walking to somebody up on the street and I'm seeing them agitated, probably not. <laughs> but if it's some, you know, and sometimes we don't happen to do it with the people closest to well, us. Well, I mean, this is real because yeah. uh, just a couple of nights ago, I was walking down the street to get some ice cream, and I seen this woman. She was obviously upset on the cell phone, and she was standing there crying like. You know, on the side of the street, mm-hmm. and I was walking by, and I stopped for a second, and it was like the it was like the decision popped up on the screen. It was like pick one, go, you know, say are you okay, or just keep walking. Mm-hmm. And I sat there for a couple seconds, and I just kept walking. But you know, I wonder if I would have went over and said, "Hey, are you okay?" Like you're obviously upset. If that would have came across unusual, mm-hmm. because probably most people don't do that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if maybe this change in the dynamic of kindness and love and positivity and peace in the world starts with us making decisions that maybe are a bit unusual mm-hmm. or different mm-hmm. as long as it's kind of in alignment with, hey, like, love. Mm-hmm. We all love each other. Right. I think we need to flip the the fear to kindness. Mm. That's the thing. I think we're so fearful of everything anymore. I mean, of our own shadows. Yeah. Sometimes. Serious. And, um, you know, the, that could happen with a lady. You could have walked up and she thought, oh, who's this guy? You know, he's like, yeah. jump me and take yeah. my phone or whatever. And that was not that inten- scary looking. No, but <laughs> that wasn't your intention. But, but people right. see it that way. And, yeah. You know, as another, uh, another person might not. See, and that's, for me, that was the thing. That was the motivating factor why I didn't. Mm-hmm. It's because I was like, oh, well, maybe she thinks I'm a weirdo or something, and yeah. I don't want to scare her. Mm-hmm. And it was like, why do, why do I even think that way, mm-hmm. you know? When it's something so, like, pure mm-hmm. as to, like, seeing somebody in need and wanting to comfort them, whether they're a stranger or not. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I, I, what, I would say, what I would love is for us to be in a world where that's the norm. Mm-hmm. Well, Roman... We get to challenge you to do that the next yeah. time you see someone. There like you that. go. 
<laughs> Challenge accepted. Do you know there, there's you make me think about walking down the street. Um, I live in Hillcrest, so it's yeah. You know, there's a lot of activity there. Popping, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of you know lots of different. There's some pretty serious issues there too with home illness, <laughs> yeah. mental illness and that thing. Yeah, hospitals are really close, but um, there's a there's a little woman. I don't know how old she's probably in her 80s, and she has very bad scoliosis, mm-hmm. and she has a walker, and she walks every day, gets her groceries, and goes home. And I stopped and talked to her one day and said, you know, I just am so impressed with you. And she's like, why are you impressed with me? And I was like, why yeah. would anybody ever ask her that? And I said, you know, you're, you get up every day and she's, you know, presentable. She's clean. She's work using her walker going to the store and you don't give up. And she's like, I've never had anybody tell me that before. I just do it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what I have to do. I don't have anybody, you know, nobody to take care of me yeah. at this point. And, um, but it's, it's just one of those things where I'm having a, shitty day and yeah. I think, oh yeah. you know look at this you know this 80 year old woman's making right. stuff happen and um kind of looking at inspirational things like that you know because some people could put pity see pity up on her yeah, yeah. i didn't see it that way i saw yeah. it as a very positive kind of strength mm. yeah um so i think we need to kind of switch that to sometimes our weaknesses are actually strengths yeah. hey. and and being vulnerable i think that's to answer your question back from before brian i think letting ourselves be a little more vulnerable um, I think we get afraid to do that. And sometimes we do get embarrassed from it because people make us embarrassed because of their own insecurities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think vulnerability is a really big thing. And I think mm-hmm. if we had more of that, that humbleness, the vulnerability yeah. to really kind of talk about what's going on for what's us. What's really, really happening. Mm-hmm. So that healing can right. happen. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, wow. don't also, we don't necessarily do that. We're so worried about being what everybody thinks we are. Mm. Yeah. That facade. True that. Damn. This has been an amazing episode. Yeah, if you were to give, let's wrap it up. If you were to give any advice to anyone struggling or hurting or or just kind of sad and depressed, like what what kind of, what would you say to someone that came to you in that condition? I would say probably reach out as much as you can. Um, Really take a look at um, something more positive in your life. Mm. Um, You know, maybe even kind of looking at your purpose. Some people get depressed because their purpose seems to go away. Yeah. Um, And to basically reach out. Sometimes it's difficult to do, especially yeah. if you're depressed. Yeah. Um, you know, you just want to lay in bed or whatever. The 100 pound or, phone. Yeah, whatever, yeah. Um, but really kind of reach out. Um, and I think it's pretty easy to do in our day and time um, to mm, reach yeah. out. But people don't do it because they're afraid of, again, that embarrassment, that vulnerability, those kind yeah. of things. So yeah. uh, I would say reach out and get help because it's out there. Um, and there's people that want to help. You know, yeah. people yeah. often think they don't have anybody that wants to help them, but there are people out there to help. Well, I feel like everyone to a certain degree wants to help. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, the core of every human is mm-hmm. like this, this desire to help our fellow humans. Right. Right. Well, sure. for those listening, if you're feeling some type of way, reach out, reach out, get some help. Yeah. So thank you, Jam. Appreciate it. Thank JM, you for being you on the show, the man. This is incredible. We and appreciate this, you. Thank you Rock. for listening and watching, tuning in. And welcome. Huh? And welcome? What? No. See you guys later. See ya. Peace.